Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text is from Philippians 4. 4. Paul writes from prison, nearing the end of his life, I rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. People are dumb. Mistaken at best, misled at worst, possibly somewhere in between. Many people have, have gotten it into their heads, and maybe it's fair in some families, at least in some situations, but they have gotten it into their heads that Christianity is just one big killjoy. It's one big wet blanket placed upon the majesty of human life. People continually confuse the Ten Commandments with some sort of a body politic with an insufferable interference with a good time and, and real happiness. So the world has decided to turn its back upon Christianity. It's going to find its fulfillment someplace else. It's going to find its happiness somewhere else. They'll seek its happiness wherever they can find it, and everywhere is where they're looking. The problem is it's failing. And you, dear friends, are not immune. Divorce is up. Marriage is down, optimism is down, cynicism is up, gas is up, rent is up, gun ownership is up. I don't know what to make of that. People have sought their happiness in the things of the world. And some of that is falling by the wayside. And it's some, not a lot, but a some. And maybe it's just because the world has just gotten so expensive Things, people are just finding other places to find their happiness instead of just goods. Others have sought their happiness in the satisfaction of the carnal lusts. This too has produced all different kinds of brokenness. And not just in the brokenness of homes, but the brokenness of families and the brokenness of children. We now have raised almost two or all three generations of unhappy children who are jaded and suspicious of marriage. 2018, now these are, these are old numbers, by the way. 2018, the CDC estimated that one in five Americans now have a sexually transmitted disease. Half of those new cases are between the ages of 15 and 25. That brings us to a total of 68 million cases with two, 26 million new cases to an annual cost to the GDP of $16 billion in direct medical costs. Mankind is going about it his own way, and he's refusing to hear from and listen to God, and they are literally suffering for it. And it's not just money, and it's not just sex. It's personal pride, it's pride in reason, it's pride in science, progressivism, Jobs and friends and cliques and NCAA football. And while turning against God has become all the rage, in turning away from God, we have been, as a society, robbing ourselves of the peace of God. We steal it from ourselves and throw it away as if it means nothing. We speak in bits and phrases, jealous of, of people we don't know, and... And you, dear friends, you are not exempt. You swim in this same soup of a society that everybody else does. And unto you, Paul says, be Christian. 
Be Christian. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There's no doubt in my mind that this is Paul's attitude that he believes the attitude of the Christian heart ought to manifest within its private self and its inner doors and also its public face that extended out into the world. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will then guard your hearts and your minds. Let the peace of God reside within you. And it will guard your hearts and minds. And your hearts and your minds need to be guarded. They need to be protected. They need to be, to be watched out for. We need hedges around them provided by the Holy Spirit of God who will guard our hearts and minds. You see, the mind, the mind is the battleground of sin. Because life, for the most part, is an intellectual endeavor. Right? We think, we plan, we reason, we know who we are, where we are, and how we're going to get there. Everything about our life is something that we have considered or thought about, unless, of course, we're not using our minds. And other times we don't use our minds, we use our hearts. We use our feelings. And as much as I would like to give you a hard time about using your, your hearts, it is still something that we do. And it, it's, to the most part, to the most part, it's, it's appropriate. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how famous you are. It doesn't matter how well you make your decisions. If your soul is haunted, you will not be happy. If your mind is invaded, you will not see peace. And you, dear friends, are not exempt. You need a defender to guard your hearts and your minds. This is why God gives us a defender. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be the Prince of Peace. This is why the angels are so jubilant at the sending of God's own Son. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Look for where God may be found. Come unto him in all humility. See that there is, there is nothing that is able to rob you of your senses. That nothing can bruise your heart so quickly. There's nothing that can rob our senses and bruise our hearts more quickly than sin and guilt. So God calls us to not be guilty. Don't be guilty. Be lifted up. Lift up your heads, O mighty gates. You see, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and He has taken away your sin. He has taken away your guilt. He has replaced that sin and that guilt and He has taken that away and then He has replaced it with peace. Peace that the world cannot possibly give. A peace that guards your hearts and your minds. Begin your, your day in the name of Jesus. Whether when you get up or when you leave your door in the name of Jesus, I, I go out into the world. Guard my heart and guard my mind.
At the end of the day, again, say your prayers, read your Bible. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and know well that the eyes of a benevolent and a loving God are looking down upon you and all of your sins and your transgressions have been wiped away and you can have a peaceful and a quiet and a joyous mind. And in this, you are also not exempt. And since you were at peace with God, because you were at peace with God. A peace that God has made with you. Paul next would say, put your trust in God. Not only, God not only wants to assure you of the forgiveness of your sins, but he wants to help you with all of your life's problems. Out of sin come all kinds of difficulties and dilemmas, and God has an interest, God has an interest in all of those. He does not want you to just be relieved of your guilt, but to heal you, to heal you of your mind, to heal your body as well, and to relieve every burden. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't think out our lives. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't feel, but it does mean that we should not worry about our life. You see, the Lord is at hand. So don't be anxious. Have no anxiety. Have no worry. Right? There, there are many things to worry about. I'm not saying I don't ever worry about anything. I worry about things. But don't have any anxiety over them. There's many things to worry about. We worry about our health. Sometimes we worry about the health of other people around us. Sometimes it's our business. Sometimes it's our own moral failings because you see yourself as weak and you, you see every single slippage within your own life. Sometimes we worry about the world in general. We worry about war. We worry about terrorism. We worry about rising prices and lagging supply. Revelation chapter 6, verse 5 says that these things are to come. It says, come and look and behold a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in its hands. And I heard what seemed to be the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. Part of the end times. Outages and supply. Overreaching of demand. There are simply so many things to worry about. From home to family and children and parents. Literally a millions of things. Most of these things completely and utterly outside of our control. And these things can be like a huge boulder upon our hearts. We all have days like that. We all have days when things are weighing heavier on us and others. And unto these days, Paul says, do not be anxious about them. In everything, by prayer and supplication, take your worries and your anxieties and give those things over to God. To ask God to take care of the things that He has promised to take care of. This is His world anyway. Take, take your issues, dump them at the feet of God and say, this is, this is your world. And I am your servant. Guard my heart, my mind. Take care of the things that you promised to take care of. Let God carry those loads. God wants to carry those loads. He wants you to trust Him in that. And finally, 
Be reasonable. As Paul says, let your reasonableness be made known. Now, this word reasonable is translated in different ways in different texts throughout all of history. Sometimes it's been translated as moderation. I kind of like moderation, but moderation tends to be a word we use mostly with the, the ink eating and drinking. Be moderate in your eating and your drinking. Forbearance is a wonderful word. Talk about a great word. Forbearance is wonderful. The only problem is nobody knows what forbearance means. Let your forbearance be made known. My what? What is being made known here? I don't understand. Forbearance means to be patient, self-controlled, restrained, reasonable. If you're at peace with God, follow me for just a second. If you're at peace with God, God has forgiven you your sins. He has freed you from your guilt and your despair. You have turned your anxiety over to God. You have trusted that he's going to provide for you in the long run for everything that we need for this body and life. He has sent you his Holy Spirit to guard your hearts and minds. Why not live in a reasonable fashion? Be reasonable. And, not, and don't just be reasonable, but let that be known into the world that you are, oh my goodness, a reasonable person. Not too hot, not too cold, not too loud, not too brash. Maybe middling, just a middling, like a regular old person or a young person or a middle-aged person. Do you have any idea how much personal happiness is ruined every day? If we, because we let ourselves become agitated. We're infuriated by some slight fault or some weakness that we have found. Not only a weakness that we may find in ourselves, but weakness that we have found in somebody else. How much contentment in life is just blown away. It's just ruined by some hyper-delicate sense of self or some nitpicky desire to see perfection or near perfection in somebody else. And I may offend you on this and to, to a certain extent. I kind of hope I do. Being able to see the faults in other people's does not make you special. It doesn't make you different. It doesn't make you better than everybody else. It just, it just makes you human. It's a lot easier to see the faults in other people. If I were to think and dwell upon all the faults and all of the weakness and all of the people that make up Grace Lutheran Church, it would be near impossible for me to do ministry here. And the same for you, at your work, at your family, at your circle of friends. If we persist, some of us anyway, in a spirit of forbearance, you must be reasonable in your attitude. Reasonable in your attitude towards me, and I must be reasonable in my attitude towards you. For we all need to be guided by the spirit and the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And the spirit of love, the spirit of kindness in the spirit of forbearance. Let your reasonableness be made known because the Lord is at hand. Paul emphasizes this fact. The Lord really is at hand. When you look upon your fellow man, do not sit in judgment of them. Do not sit in severe condemnation of them. Rather, let your hearts go out unto them. Think it through. 
We become, every single day, we're closer and closer to the day where we'll see the Jesus coming in the clouds in judgment upon all of mankind. The Lord is closer now than he has ever been. And we will ju- and he will come and judge the world in righteousness. You know what people need in our society? Especially one that is as broken and as sick as ours. What they need is pity. They need understanding. They need helpful living. They need wise counsel. They need plausible examples. They don't need our bitterness. They don't need our anxiety. They don't need our condemnation. It's certainly don't need our holier-than-thou attitudes. The Lord God has sent us these amazing gifts. He has sent us and given unto us the salvation of His Son. And He wants that joy and that salvation to fill us, that our hearts may be filled with the joy and the peace that comes with knowing our future and our salvation and knowing that our Lord God has protected us, He has guarded us, He has provided for every one of our needs. And I hope that that makes that Spirit of God makes each and every one of you wise. That you accept the ways of the Lord. And not to pursue ways that lead to misery or destruction, but to accept the ways of God in all things. And to accept it in a reasonable, heartfelt manner. And then, and then, you will understand how it's plausible, possible, Paul, a man setting in prison, to, to write these beautiful words about how to live a pure and decent and holy Christian life. A man who himself sitting in prison waiting for an executioner to come at any point of any day. He says, rejoice in the Lord, always. And again, I say, rejoice. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.